Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. The book of Mark opens with these words, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It then reveals that this gospel is really the fulfillment of the types, the promises, and the prophecies of the Old Testament, along with the removal of the custody of the law. But Mark chapter 1 goes further because it shows us not just what the gospel is, but the contents of the gospel. This gospel is not something vague but rich in its details. And in this chapter, chapter 1, which is divided into five sections, we see the rich contents of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Matt Miller has joined us again. Good to have you back, Matt. And a very, very sweet portion before us. Once again, it seems like there's a lot of sweetness in this gospel, isn't there? There is, Chris. I'm looking forward to today's program. It really is good news. It really is the gospel. And we're focused on the content of the gospel service. So we're really focused on the good news today. So we have a really good program for our listeners. Yeah, I think when we were last together, we were talking about uh, the gospel being the fulfillment of these Old Testament things, particularly the promises, the prophecies, and the law. Uh, but we go a little more detail today to see, uh, as unveiled in this chapter, the contents and what we uh, come to realize with the help of Witness Lee, which we'll hear here in just a moment. This chapter is pretty easy to divide into five segments, each of which reveals uh, an aspect of the gospel service of the slave savior. And these five things then comprise the contents of the gospel. Let's pick up the first couple of these in our first section today. And for that, we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and then we'll add 21 and 22. And after John had been taken into custody, of course, that's talking about John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then jumping to verses 21 and 22, and they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. All right, Matt. We've got Witness Lee with our first segment. Let's get right to it. After the uh, introduction and after the Savior's initiation, from verse 14, what is recorded here is just a record showing us the content of the gospel. What are the contents of the gospel? We have seen the uh, gospel is the fulfillment of uh, the promises, uh, the prophecies, plus the tithes, and the removal of the law. That's right. But what is the content? The content, according to this section of the gospel, 
is of five items. Number one, it is the preaching of the gospel. Number two, the teaching of the truth. Number three, the casting out of the demons. And number four, the healing of the sickness. And number five, the cleansing of a leper, which is a sinner. You see, just these five items, the preaching, the teaching, the casting out, the healing, and the cleansing. The first thing in the three saviors' gospel service is to preach the gospel. Number one, this is the first thing. And number two, his preaching always implies teaching. And his teaching always implies preaching. Today, many are very much burdened for the gospel preaching. You like to preach the gospel to your relatives, classmates, colleagues, and so forth. But you all have experienced when you are trying to preach, you don't know what to say. That means you have a burden to preach, but you don't have the skill to teach. If you don't know how to teach, you can never preach well. Preaching depends upon teaching. You see, I do hope that all who are faithful to the Lord must learn how to teach the gospel. Not just to preach. Get into the word to learn the particular truths of all kinds of topics of the gospel. And then learn to present, learn to define, learn to teach others. Then you will see the effectiveness of our preaching. Why today our preaching is not so fruitful? Because no content. You must have a cup full of rising up to its brain. Whenever you open up your mouth in five minutes, you give people a lot of things to reach it. Matt, we've got these five items that uh, comprise the contents of the gospel. The first two are preaching and teaching, and we'll come to these, the next three, in the following sections. But let's focus, as he did, on these first two. And I was particularly impressed by the relationship between the preaching and the teaching. Probably you were as well. Yeah, Chris, this is an important point. The Lord's service started out preaching the gospel. It's the first thing it says the Lord did. I'd just like to read that verse. It says, In verse 14, after John was delivered up, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Okay, so he's proclaiming the gospel of God, and then that's really the first aspect of his service. The next aspect is teaching the truth, and I love this verse 22. It says, they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not like the scribes. So, Obviously, the scribes who they'd been used to hearing talk about the Bible, Mm -hmm. talking about the scriptures all the time, they talked about the scriptures differently. When they spoke, light didn't come out. Right. But in authority, there was a power in the Lord's word. And as I hear this, there's an echo in my heart because I've had this experience, and I think all the listeners have. They know the difference when they hear a preaching that doesn't have a proper teaching go along with it. It doesn't have the authority it doesn't have the power in it. And I know personally, you know, I've heard people preach. I've even involved in preaching. But the real authority comes when you are able to really teach. 
properly. You're able to have a full understanding of the word. And I know that had a lot of impact on me as a young person is hearing people. I had the same feeling. Wow, that guy is teaching with authority. What he is saying has some impact. And that causes a fruit, a result that you don't get from just a self-appointed kind of teaching that the scribes had. They weren't under the authority of God when they were teaching in their somewhat dead religious kind of way. They had some authority and some power. We have to really pray that when we preach, it would be full of this kind of teaching that's full of authority and not like the scribes, or I would say not like the religious ones who just are preaching in a way without any impact. A couple of things um, that I would just underscore in the points you've made and that we heard. Uh, Actually, on either end, I think we've all been exposed to those who were naturally gifted preachers. They have this dynamic or charismatic, and I don't mean that in the you know, in the uh, sense of the gifts of the Spirit. I just mean their personality and their delivery, you know, is quite gifted. And, you know, you may enjoy listening to them. They may be able to captivate an audience, but that does not necessarily, and often, in fact, just the opposite. They, you know, and maybe any of us who happen to have a gift for public speaking and delivery can get by with that natural gift and never really touch this authority, this power. And I thought that uh, something you said it was worth repeating. The authority comes from light. When you're hearing the kind of preaching that was described here, that's incorporated with the proper teaching, the entrance of the word gives light. And when you are enlightened inwardly by the shining through God's word, there is the authority of God there. And it has nothing really to do with the natural disposition or gift of the speaker. Now, that's not to say that the Lord and the Holy Spirit may not, you know, use the gift of a certain person. But the real authority, the real power needs to be this ability to convey the word in such a way that it illuminates and enlightens us. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because actually I was thinking of this same point in Matthew when the gospel came. It said that the Lord came as a light shining in a dark place to those who are dwelling in darkness. And in Zebulun and Naphtali, a light has come shining in a dark place. And this is the gospel, is All of mankind, through the fall, through the poison of Satan, has become darkened. He's darkened the minds. The minds are dark. They don't understand God. So the real gospel preaching and the real teaching of the truth is to bring in light. A real simple word, but it's light. When people understand God, it changes everything. Really so. But under the fall of man, the mind has been veiled. Satan has put a veil, according to Second Corinthians 4, over man's mind that they would not see the gospel of the glory of Christ. There's mm. a glory there. And our speaking is to bring in a light to enlighten that darkened mind. Wow. Things can never be the same. Right. Once you've seen light, you can't unsee it. It has a lasting effect on our, our being inwardly. All right. Let's go on to the third item now. The first two again preaching and teaching, closely related. The third, uh, we see in verses 23 through 26 in uh, Mark chapter 1, And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. 
and throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. Here, Matt, we have the casting out of the demon. And uh, there's a principle here that I really want our listeners to be able to focus in on, not just this miraculous act and this rather uh, dynamic event, and it's hard for us to relate, but the principle, I think, is something we can all relate to, and that's in this portion that we're about to hear. The third thing, the sleep savior, who came to destroy the works of Satan, did as a part of his service to God was to cast out these demons from the possessed people, that they might be delivered from Satan's bondage, out of Satan's authority of darkness into God's kingdom. In this book, five cases of demon possession are recorded. This is the third thing. Well, I realize in such a top country, cultured, civilized, it is hard to see apparently some demon possession. Not like a uh, hundred years ago in China. Yet you have to realize Satan is subtle. He has a way to possess people in a modern culture. He's subtle. Even today, in the most cultured country, most people got possessed by something. So you and me, we must learn how to pray. How to pray to receive the power, even receive the authority. While we will be preaching and we will be teaching, our teaching goes out as a power to cast out the possessing element of the enemy. We need the power to cast out the satanic possessing element in today's modern countries. Culture today is very modern. And you have to know the subtle one, Satan, the serpent, is very, very clever. And he makes his possession also modern. Modern demon possession. When he was, he, I mean Satan, when he was in a very uncultured country. I tell you, his possession was also uncultured. When he is in a cultural country, his possession is very cultural. It's very modern. In the colleges, in top universities, his position is very, very <laughs> intellectual. That's right. Intellectual position. We cannot defeat the enemy's position just by preaching and by teaching. In our teaching, in our preaching, there must be a kind of authority, Amen. a kind of power. And this power could only be exercised in the name of Jesus. And so we need to call on this name. We need to exercise the authority through and in this name. In our preaching and teaching, there must be some kind of power, some kind of authority that casts out their evil possession. This is the third item of the contents of the gospel. Okay, Matt, our third case here is this uh, dynamic case of this demon, you know, casting out. And he makes a really profound point here. Uh, You and I both, I think, travel to uh, underdeveloped third world countries. And you're amongst the poverty in a completely different situation than what we have here. 
And, you know, you see these cases where there's this horrible sickness and sometimes maybe a mental illness. And it's easy to sort of, you know, get yourself in the mindset of what this must have been like, uh, the situation here that the, the Lord Jesus was directly confronted. Then you come back to civilized America and you kind of lose sight of the fact that Satan is operating in such a deep way. But really, all that's changed with the culture and the refinement that we have taken on in our society is the subtlety of how this evil one possesses people, don't you think? Absolutely, Chris. There's no question there's a satanic element possessing people in the highly developed countries as much or maybe more than in the lower developed countries. He just doesn't manifest it in the same way. Right. I would say one example today for America would be the Internet. You know, there is a possessing element in the Internet that has got to be satanic. Right. Uh, And I think those listening, you know, I don't mean everything on the Internet, but I think those who know the Internet know there's something there that has some demon possession. There's a power there. And the only way people can overcome this is through the power of the Lord's name. And we need to be able to exercise the Lord's name in our preaching and teaching to cast out this evil possession. Matt, even in other areas, I appreciate your example. I think that's right on the internet. We all realize how dangerous it can be at the same time. It's, you know, become a useful tool. Uh, But how about things even more subtle? I'm considering the way that people's lifestyle Uh, people's possessions, earthly possessions, can become a kind of a possessing avenue for the evil one to control people. I think the list is unlimited, Chris. Anything that would possess us and keep us from Christ is a satanic element because he doesn't want Christ to make his home in our heart. He talks about in Ephesians 3 that Christ would make his home in your heart through faith. I mean, Christ wants to make home in our heart. If he's not making a home in our heart and other things are occupying us, why is that? There's a hidden power there. We have to mm-hmm. ask ourselves, is is it just some, you know, unnamed power? Well, we know this. This is Satan's element working behind the scenes. You know, living here, as you and I do, in, in Southern California, uh, we're driving down the freeway uh, each day. And, you know, you see the cars that people are driving, how important those automobiles have become in the lives of these people, how important living in a certain kind of house in a certain kind of neighborhood has become. These become the possessing factor. We may not think of this in terms of, you know, our traditional thought concerning so-called demon possession, but the more profound point here is that all of us can be subject to the evil one's influence and effect on our lives if we give place to anything other than Christ. Amen. Okay, Matt, our our final section today, we'll touch these last two items. Uh, We'll stay in chapter 1, verse 33, 34. And the whole city gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak, because they knew who he was. And then verses 40 through 42. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying to him, If you are willing... You can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. We have a healing and a cleansing of a leper here, man. Here's Witness Lee. The first thing the safe Savior did to rescue the sinners as another part of his gospel service was to heal their sick condition both physically and spiritually and restore them to normal that they might serve him. 
I like to tell you, not one of the human beings today is not sick. We know a lot of sick people physically. I tell you, more people sick spiritually. Everyone is sick. So we must learn to preach the gospel and to teach the truth, not just like a preacher and a teacher. We must preach and teach like a doctor, a physician. We must give people a prescription. We must give them some medicine that heals them. Then lastly, a leper portrays a typical sinner. Leprosy is the most contaminating and damaging disease, much more serious than fever, isolating its victim both from God and from man. To cleanse the leper signifies to recover the sinner to the fellowship with God and with man. This was the consummating part of the slave savior's gospel service according to the record of this chapter. In the Lord's gospel service, he cleansed the leper. You shouldn't consider this point lightly. This is the ultimate consummation of the content of the Lord's gospel service. He did not only preach, teach, cast out, heal, but also cleanse, cleanse the leper, cleanse the dirty nature of the human being, which is very, very contaminating. This is all just chapter one. I feel very good. How do you feel about it? Uh, this is Mark 1. <laughs> Isn't this wonderful? Matt, I think, of course, the matter of healing we all can relate to, and there's uh, spiritual significance there as well, obviously. This matter of leprosy uh, intrigues me. Of course, we don't have, I don't think, uh, any, perhaps, you know, problem with leprosy as the physical disease in our society today. But yet I know inwardly, I've had the feeling before of being leprous and have experienced this kind of cleansing. And this is something that we should not take lightly, isn't it? No, we shouldn't, Chris. And the key thing that touched me about this matter of leprosy is that in the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, you were cut off from God's people. Yeah. And you were cut off from God. And as you were describing your experience of being cleansed from leprosy, I think this is what you mean is you had the feeling, I'm cut off from God right now. I just am dirty. I just feel wrong. And leprosy was the result of rebelling against God's authority. So Mm. it comes out of rebellion. It's hard to get into the details of it, but the life study explains this in detail. And so we have a problem. We're, We're cut off from God's people. We're cut off from God. And he comes in and he cleanses our leprosy. What a wonderful release to someone. And they're not just cleansed of their leprosy now to be happy and go on with God, but they're restored to God's people. I thought that that was a significant thing is we need to be restored to God's people in addition to being restored to God. He ended this uh, portion with this very uh, delightful saying here at the end. I feel very good. How about you? This is Mark 1. Isn't it wonderful? Matt, we've had the preaching, the teaching, the casting out of the demons, the healing, and the cleansing from this uh, horrible isolation from God and his people. I feel like he did. I feel quite good. How about you? You know, Chris, I do too. And I I think it's worthy to, to summarize these things one more time. I know the time is short, but you know, he came to miserable people 
and he preached the glad tidings to people that were miserable, and he taught the truth to enlighten them with the divine light. He brought light to people in darkness, and he cast out the demons. He saved people from the usurpation of the satanic element. This is really good news. I feel good about this. And then also he healed the sick. That's not just physical sick. Everyone is sick of something psychologically, spiritually, and he is right now there to heal everyone listening to this program. I feel very good about this. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that people listening connect to the gospel that we're talking about and aren't just hearing some words. He really wants to heal us and to cleanse us from leprosy so that we could be right with God and right with man. I feel very good about it. Amen, man. Um, we said it would be sweet. It's, I think, even beyond that. It's sweet. It's delightful. And once again, to quote our brother witnessly is wonderful. Uh, you mentioned the life study. Let's just point out again that this is the uh, the best uh, resource that we have for you. If you'd like to follow along this life study of Mark, we hope you'll contact us to get the printed messages and then have you that with your Bible open each day. And if you'd like to find out about how to receive uh, the life study of Mark, contact us. Our toll free number one eight 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 Life Study eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. These programs are based on messages Witness Lee gave when he did a comprehensive book-by-book study of the Bible, showing how Christ is life to man. Whether you're hearing these life studies via radio, online, or as a podcast, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. There, you'll find more than 1,700 audio studies covering every book of the Bible. Again, That's lifestudy.com. Thanks again for listening.